everyone, and welcome to Cows from the Couch by Life Stands Health. I'm Nikki Lianza, and on today's episode, I'll be talking with our Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Anisha Patel Dunn, and our Executive Clinical Director, Brianna Talley, about the importance of perinatal mental health. So, welcome. Great to see you both on today. Thanks. Great to see you again. Yeah. Thanks, Nikki. Dr. Patel Dunn. Tell us a little bit about what you do for Life Stance. Sure. Uh, so thank you for having me. Uh, Anisha Patel Dunn. So I, I live here in the East Bay of San Francisco, and I've been a practicing psychiatrist. Uh, I started my training in 2002 and have always uh, had a special interest in women's mental health. So it's always been something that I focused on here. And really, um, especially this perinatal period is, is so critical. So I'm really excited to be talking about that. Thank you. And Brianna, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, I started in the field about 2009, and uh, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders have always been a hot topic for me. Um, during my, my master's program, it was a, a focus of, uh, of a proposed business plan I put together where I ran through all the stats and really understood what the need was uh, in our communities. So. Great. And, you know, I think that's such a key point there, just what a need for it, you know, to talk and have this discussion. And in fact, that brings me to a, a statistic I found. Um, per the National Library of Medicine, so just looking at the United States, one in seven pregnant and perinatal women suffer from anxiety and depression. And we find that only half of these women actually seek mental health care. Um, mainly what's keeping them away from seeking mental health care is the stigma or just prayer wellness awareness of mental health. So I think that just emphasizes the need for this conversation too. So, so absolutely. We know we had uh, the most recent stat I could find was about 3.6 million births in the United States alone every year. Wow. So. Uh, if we look at that, we're looking somewhere between, you know, six, 700,000 women with perinatal mood anxiety disorder issues. And if only half of them are getting treatment, what, 300, 350,000 right. women not being treated annually? Right. So when you put it that way, it's like, wow, just hearing that number. Right. So, Brianna, tell us, can you start us off by telling us what peri perinatal, easy for me to say, perinatal uh, mental health is and why is it important? Sure. Uh, well, there's there's a variety of facets to it. Some of it is uh, preparing for, for childbirth. Some of it is during the pregnancy period. And then, of course, in the postpartum period. And I think uh, most of us hear about postpartum depression. Yeah. Uh, but there's a whole uh, there's a whole variety of mood and anxiety disorders that can be exacerbated or have a first episode during that perinatal period. Um, so the most common one we hear is about depression, um, which is very, very important, but there's also, you know, anxiety, there's uh, OCD flare-ups, and then of course the one that everyone's afraid of, um, postpartum psychosis. Yeah, for sure. Dr. Patel Dunn, anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, sure. I think generally speaking to the, the um, pregnancy period, and then it's usually considered up to one year after. So I think that, you know, just thinking about uh, 
not forgetting about our moms who even may be just managing here right after delivery, but that they can really have some sequelae um, up to one year after is how we sort of think about it. Um, and then absolutely in thinking about, you know, some of the most severe is that, um, you know, untreated, even the postpartum, untreated depression or anxiety can also even lead to um, the postpartum psychosis is what, you yeah. know, we generally call it, where um, it can be very scary for both mother um, and loved ones around, um, as well as, you know, worrisome for the, the infant and the baby. And I think you both bring up such a good point of like, it's, you know, looking at this period of time, it's more than, it could be more, it can manifest more than just depression. It can be these others of anxiety, even OCD or psychosis and stuff. Um, and Dr. Patel, then you making note of that, it could be up until a year after. And I think that's another misnomer that maybe people don't recognize that it, it can last much longer than just maybe a few weeks after maybe giving birth or something like that. So I think both are very key points. Yeah. I think to, to add to that, just to clarify, it's not that it may last up until then. It could start 10 months after delivery, 11 months after delivery, right? Good points. Very good. And so that's that's an important piece. You know, we're we're not screening new moms uh, well enough. And so um, it's been pretty exciting to see the changes in the field. But one of the things that I had uh, suggested in my business plan so many years ago was, uh, where do moms go? with new babies. They don't, they don't go take care of themselves anymore, but they go to the pediatrician with that baby. Right. So, uh, you know, screening them with, uh, with, uh, perinatal mood anxiety disorder screeners at the, at the pediatrician's office is a way to, to catch them. And that has actually started happening some, uh, and I know that life stance is trying to partner with those, uh, pediatrician offices. Um, but the, the piece that I, think is important to mention here is that it's actually very important to treat mom uh, and and or dad right it, right this could be this could be uh, occurring with the the father as well but it's important to treat them uh, because if we don't it it increases the risk for um, diabetes for a whole host of conditions for the child right and right. so when we don't treat mom it turns into lifelong chronic health conditions uh, for the child. Okay. Dr. Patel, done anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, no, I think it, uh, it is so critical that it, uh, it impacts the whole family unit, right? So making yeah. sure that we think about, um, you know, mom, but also the partner, other caretakers that are, you know, involved, closely involved at home. Um, I do think too, the screening, universal screening is something that um, you know, we all are, we are also in some areas trying to partner with OBGYN. So we know moms go in, you know, after delivery for a, a check with their OBGYN. And then you're right, as Bree says, you know, the pediatric appointments are very regular and scheduled. And so there are ways that we, if we can catch this um, really early intervention is so important. It's so critical for bonding of uh, mother and child and, you know, all caretakers really at home and child. Um, but then the impact of, uh, you know, a mom who may be suffering um, really does show long-term, you know, problems with the, the child. So uh, it's sure. so critical, sort of early intervention. Yeah, that that's the key. Yeah. For sure. 
And one thing that I just want to note, uh, I, I, you know, for my moms that have come to me that maybe have always, you know, have been contemplating having a child and they have a pre-existing anxiety or depression, you know, those are our moms that are most vulnerable, that the, the prevalence is higher in them for having some postpartum um, anxiety or depression when they have kind of pre uh, periods in their life. And I think that's something that um, even just, you know, women out there to recognize and to know, um, but that that's something that's so important that I, I love to have the partner and the, and the mom mm-hmm. um, before delivery, just to talk about, you know, here are some signs and symptoms, mm-hmm. really just thinking about any, you know, anything unusual, obviously when the baby comes home, there's a lot of sleep deprivation, um, but when you're able to sleep uh, and you're not sleeping, that's such, you know, I think sleep is such a critical part here, regardless of yes. the anxiety or the depression. Um, and so any d- changes in behavior of mom, but also making sure that we're getting mom her sleep. And um, and if she's not, we, we need to address that very quickly. Very true. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to just piggyback on that, yeah. uh, Anisha. I've got... Uh, so many times I've partnered with different OBGYN clinics and either helped consult with them on, you know, some of the new mom classes that they attend, the, that they attend prior to delivery, um, or actually go in and do a presentation in one of those for them uh, on the importance of sleep and working with their partners or with, you know, potential um, family members that may, have, may be able to come over and assist they have to get sleep. They're not, you know, they're not, uh, they're not a computer. They're not a robot. They're a human being. And just because baby is awake all the time doesn't mean that mom doesn't still need solid sleep. And uh, that is definitely one of the, uh, one of the first things that we look at when someone does uh, come through to us for a postpartum uh, uh, or even perinatal condition is how much sleep are you getting? And so one of the best ways to prevent that is to ensure that they have a sleep plan ahead of time. Who's going to sleep when, uh, right? So who's working? What time are they working? Who's going to be sleeping at what time? Do we need additional support from family, friends, uh, caregivers to come in and uh, and care for the baby at some point so mom can get regular sleep? Um, especially if they have a pre-existing condition, it's so much uh, more likely to trigger trigger another episode or exacerbate their condition. And I love that because it's being proactive on how to tackle it and how to navigate that. And I don't know right. if people necessarily think to do that. So I, yeah. I love that idea of the sleep plan. It's a great idea. What other symptoms might manifest during this time or this period for women? Um, you know, part of this question is it's a bit broad because it, it might be more tailored towards, you know, is it, you know, is it anxiety, is it depression, but is there just general symptoms that we might see popping up during this time? Yeah. So what I, one thing I just want to note is for pregnant women, right? So I, you know, we've been talking a little bit about the postpartum time period after delivery, but Pregnancy for all women can be, you know, anxiety provoking. And I think it's so important to just make note that, um, you know, if at all, uh, you know, it's normal first time moms to not know the uncertainty of the unknown. I think that often we all come uh, with our own 
personal childhood experiences of how we were raised and our own memories of that. Um, and so I think it's just important to note that, you know, if you are at all having any type of anxiety or, you know, concern about what's that, what's pregnancy going to hold after delivery, what is it that, you know, you're, what kind of mom you're going to be like, what kind of parent, you know, reach out, get, get some therapy. It can be so helpful, especially in that time period. Um, and so I just, the message here of like, it's, it's so easy to just, you know, get in for some therapy to really talk through some stuff. And that also can be preventative in that then you've got a connection with a therapist, regardless of how long you're seeing. So just, uh, just wanted to make note of that. Oh, great. That's a really great point. And if could you also talk a little bit about, um, uh, patients that are already taking medication for bipolar for major depressive disorder, um, generalized anxiety disorder, and and uh, you know what I, I know there's a lot of concern right around uh, you know or can we take Tylenol? Can we take Zyrtec? Right? And so when it comes to our prescribed medications, you know people tend to get a little bit more anxious just about the medication. So love to hear a little about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something also. Um, a com- conversations I often have in, in focusing in this area myself with my patients over the years is that, um, you know, it's really important if you are taking medication to have those conversations with your psychiatrist, with your primary care, um, you know, clinician, your OBGYN. There, there are definitely, you know, especially with the antidepressants um, that, the continuing on to take them during this time period can be really protective in preventing against the the sequelae of postpartum as we talk about depression, anxiety, and even the psychosis that can come. Um, And there are certain illnesses, you know, uh, that we've seen. um, And then you talked about bipolar as well. So, you know, depression, bipolar, where it, it it is something that I very just very much encourage people to have a conversation with their um, clinician who's prescribing the medication as that's such a critical time. And that, you know, for some people, it may make sense to, uh, to stop if they're doing well, and they want to, for whatever reason. Um, But I do think for a lot of, uh, of, of women, it's really, you know, giving them permission to, to take medication that's going to be, you know, helpful for them. And, and really looking at, um, the class of how the FDA classifies these medications. And one website that I think I, um, womensmentalhealth.org is a website through Mass General. They do a wonderful job, um, both for clinicians as well as um, moms on just questions around uh, pregnancy, breastfeeding, you know, um, post, you know, that whole, uh, that whole time period. And so um, I do think there are also certainly medications that are considered less risk. So that, for example, for bipolar, depending on what medication you're on, you may consider changing to something else that may be less of a risk. And, and it's always a, you know, risk benefit um, kind of discussion that I think is so important to have. And, and to make note too, um, 
And I just want a little bit, because I, I feel like I find myself with a lot of my moms with the breastfeeding that um, mm-hmm. sometimes they feel so much guilt. And especially when someone's really struggling with postpartum, um, some of that is they're really trying. And, you know, I do think there's a lot of benefits to being breastfed, um, but I always share this with my patients uh, because for me, who I was born in the seventies and I actually was premature and ended up in the NICU for four weeks, um, before I got to go home after delivery. And so, um, I was not breastfed. And, um, and so I, the reason I share that is I I definitely think there is very much of a benefit of being breastfed, but sometimes it is so difficult for the mom. It's really impacting mood, anxiety. Um, and just so to give people permission, our moms that sometimes that your mental health is, is, you know, very important and you can still have that bonding with your baby, um, in a lot of different ways. Um, and that's also something for our dads, uh, and partners, sorry, other, um, partners, um, that, you know, will be there that, um, you know, being able to hold the baby, you know, have, have time feeding, you know, whether that's, however that is, that there's just important that after delivery, it feels like the baby is just so dependent on the mother. Um, and so then I think the, the partner can, um, can also feel a sense of, you know, inadequacy as low, you know, sense of low self-esteem as they feel helpless and hopeless, so to speak, because they're, they can't do anything they feel like, and, and it's not true. So, um, and also remembering like, there are great things that need to be done, right? Like getting food, doing laundry, <laughs> running the dishwasher, yes. washing the dishes. Um, and so I think that's something that um, people always feel like, uh, you know, the caretakers around the mom and baby um, is so critical too for mental well being. I'm glad you brought that up because I agree. It's so critical. Brianna, anything you'd like to add to that? No, that was, that was great. I, the whole rundown was wonderful. Um, you, Nikki, you asked a, a little bit ago about what are what are some of the signs and symptoms that people may see that are maybe specific to that postpartum period and not just, you know, typical depression or anxiety presentation. Um, one of the ones that, that I see frequently is uh, the mom feels guilty because they don't feel a connection to the baby, right? So they, they feel like I'm supposed to be bonded to the baby. I'm supposed to love the baby. Every time the baby cries, I'm angry, right? Every time the baby cries, I'm sad. I'm upset. Uh, when the baby's happy, I feel nothing. It's not supposed to be this way. I'm a bad mother because of these things, right? Um, those are some, you know, things that, that women are even afraid to talk about and tell other people because they they don't want other people to know that they're not perfect or that they're struggling, um, especially when you know they're attending moms groups, which are great for support. But the other moms are going, oh, I feel this and I feel that and I feel the other thing. And the mom who's depressed or anxious is going, sitting there going, I don't feel any of these things. You know, what's wrong with me? Um, and that, that whole mindset tends to just even worsen the depression and anxiety. Uh, so you know, obviously sleep is one, change in appetite is one. Those are sometimes hard to delineate between what the needs are of the baby and our healing bodies, right? Um, so, uh, but those are those are also 
you know, part of the signs and symptoms. One that I really want to mention that is uh, a hot topic is um, postpartum OCD, right? So uh, most of us are pretty familiar with, you know, OCD and, you know, the obsessions and the compulsions that go along with it. But there's some very specific ones with postpartum OCD that are super important to screen our our patients about um, because they frequently won't tell anyone. They're afraid that they're that they're uh, developing postpartum psychosis. And the reason for that is they're having intrusive thoughts and intrusive images of either the baby getting hurt, maybe of them accidentally hurting the baby, purposefully hurting the baby. Um, and, and so those are thoughts that they don't like. They, they don't identify with them, but they're afraid to tell anyone for fear that someone's going to take their baby away and put them in the hospital. Right. And so that's one that's really important to screen for. The prevalence is about 5% of, uh, of new moms, uh, you know, develop uh, a postpartum OCD. Um, and so if it's a fear of harm based OCD, you'll see some of those, uh, some of those things I just discussed with the intrusive thoughts and images. Um, if it's a, you know, a fear of contamination type OCD, you're going to see really obsessive behaviors around uh, sterilizing everything um, to the point where they're unable, they're unable to function, they're unable to sleep because they're sterilizing everything constantly all day long, right? Uh, and so those are just a couple of pieces. There, there are some more things that go along with it, but those are a couple of the ones that I've seen most frequently uh, in, in my work with, with moms. And so I always screen the new moms and, and gently ask them, you know, are you experiencing any of these things? It may sound strange to you that I'm asking this question, but, but sometimes people are afraid to tell us. Uh, I'm not going to put you in the hospital if you tell me that you're having this thought or this image is popping in your head uh, and and you don't like it. You don't want it there. Right. But I can't help you if you don't tell me what it what it is and what's going on. And I think that brings us to, you know, what can women do to help with these symptoms? And I think that number one piece is speak up, share. Yeah. And I think a lot of yeah. the fear of that, like you mentioned, Bree, you know, if it is something along the lines of intrusive thoughts of harm, they're going to be hesitant to share that, you know, for fear that the baby right. is taken away. But I think that's step one of what women can do is to speak up. Are there others yeah. that either of you would recommend of how women can navigate their symptoms? Yes. So one thing I wanted to make note too is think people in the, you know, there can be huge hormonal shifts um, uh, right after delivery. And so as we think about symptoms and time period to recognize, you know, those first few days to even up to two weeks after you can have, you know, just mood, um, and anxiety changes because of the hormonal shifts. And so just to recognize, um, you know, wanting to kind of normalize women's experience that there, there may be times, you know, where you, you're crying often, uh, you know, you're not sleeping, you're irritable, et cetera. But really, uh, if that's going on two weeks after delivery, that there, that's really one of those, right? If you're going to remember one thing, um, the, the symptoms, if that's happening mm -hmm. for longer than that relative time period, um, it's really important that, you know, just reach out for help and help can be different things, right? So 
And definitely, um, you know, therapy can be really helpful here, psychotherapy. And so reaching out um, and then, it, you know, even if medication, you know, talking to your OBGYN, getting, you know, a referral to see a psychiatric clinician, um, it, it just doesn't hurt to even just have an evaluation to be considered for. There may be medications that you can use as needed um, and or even, you know, just um, there are antidepressant medications for anxiety and depression that, you know, are used, um, for a specific amount of time, six months to a year, um, that can be really helpful. So, um, and I know that that's just, uh, sort of those things to kind of mention. And then I do actually, as we talk about this run and recognize that for, um, you know, for women that really are suffering, um, that, you know, a lot of women do get help and a lot of women do take medication and have therapy. And so it's okay. Um, it, it really is okay. Um, and so just to, to emphasize that. Yeah. And, you know, that's a good point. So maybe even finding some support groups of other women who are, you know, who are in treatment, right? Um, because you're not alone and finding a support group is one way to, to really feel that and experience that. Um, and hearing other women's experiences, you, you can develop a bond and help each other through uh, that situation. You mentioned about two, you know, if it lasts longer than two weeks after delivery, um, can you talk a little bit, uh, Anisha about, uh, you know, the length of time after you discontinue breastfeeding? Yeah. So, um, so that's another time actually, Brie, thanks for bringing that up because that's such a vulnerable time for women too. And I actually want to pause and recognize that some women may breastfeed after one year. So as we think about sure. the perinatal period, you know, relative speaking, it's up to one year. Um, I do want to mention that for women that, um, that do breastfeed and whenever that time is that they may wean, um, that is also a very sensitive time, uh, you know, and that may be weaning because it's, it's something you have decided or your baby may decide um, that they're done. And so regardless that it's a very, can be a conflicting time for, for people, um, for our moms and also to recognize there can be hormonal shifts at that time as well. And so that even, um, you know, right after to, you know, a, a, even, you know, a, for some I've seen even several weeks after, but, you know, sure. a few weeks after recognizing that there may be a time period where you feel, um, you know, low mood um, and kind of uh, blue or sad. Um, and just to, and so to recognize that maybe if that lasts longer than just, you know, a week or two, um, to have a conversation with your um, clinician, uh, reach out, you know, to a therapist, um, you know, we're here at Life Stance, happy to help you. Um, but, you know, reach <laughs> out to, um, a, you know, a psychiatric clinician if you're struggling, but just to know that that can come up. And if it's longer than, you know, kind of, uh, or, or if it's just feeling really strong, like it's impacting your ability to function, um, it may be bringing up other things for you. Um, and so it's just, it's also a critical vulnerable time. So thanks for mentioning that, Brie. Um, yeah, it's just, it's such an important period. We, 
we often overlook. And the woman is usually kind of on her own when she stops breastfeeding, right? So um, it can be a very isolating time period in addition to those hormonal shifts, you know, can trigger things. So another one to watch out for. Um, with that, with that being said, uh, there's a lot of adjustments that occur just to becoming, um, becoming a new parent, whether it's the first time or it's the third or the fifth time, every single time is different. And, um, and there's, there's new stressors, there's, uh, life changes that occur. And, um, and with that change in, in sleep and in regular schedule, um, you know, Perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are not just about the birthing mother, right? So the father, um, the the spouse, the partner. If you're adopting, right? This can this can affect adoptive families as well. And so, yes, the hormonal part is a very large piece of it. But sometimes, sometimes it's more about that adjustment in in what's happening in our life. And uh, and the the massive changes that occur uh, when we bring a new a new human being into the world that's fully one hundred percent dependent on you. <laughs> so um, so I, I want to make sure that we mention that there's there are support groups not just for the birthing mothers. There are support groups for the spouses, for the partners, for the fathers, for adoptive uh, for for adoptive parents um, because this is a, a huge transition time and. Because of that, uh, it can exacerbate all kinds of mood and anxiety disorders. So just wanted to make sure we mentioned that as well. Oh, I definitely appreciate you mentioning that, Bree, because it is very important as well. And so as we wind down, any other takeaways you would like to share about the importance of perinatal mental health? Any other points that you want to highlight? Yeah, just uh, two things, actually. One, um, there uh, there is a medication uh, approved for postpartum depression, um, Zolreso, Brexenolone, that is an IV infusion um, that has to be given over, um, a, I think it's actually, sorry, I'm totally blanking on this, but I believe it's over 30 hours. Um, and so it is something that actually can be very, helpful, um, very effective, very quickly. Um, but there are some limitations on how it's administered, but it is something we at life stance, um, in, uh, in, um, in, uh, in one of our, in Oklahoma, actually, we are, um, administering that in a very thoughtful way. And I think it's something that, um, is out there in other areas too, but that there's just, a, I think that that's something that comes sometimes comes up in the media and on the news, um, is that the FDA approved medication, I believe that was approved in 2019. It's just wow. been difficult to, uh, because of the IV infusion requirement over a, a significant amount of time. I may have to look that up. It's, um, it, it's uh, you know, over, I think a three-day period we're doing that. So, um, and then the other thing I am always wanting to, you know, message is if you're an ever in doubt of if you're suffering, just reach out for an evaluation, you know, so easy to get online, schedule an appointment, um, reach out to oftentimes your primary care clinician, your OBGYN, your pediatrician can help you navigate that. Um, it's so important to just, you know, get in and get help. And I think the, the, 
greatest thing that we've got going in the last few years is the advent of telehealth for this particular condition, right? Um, because sometimes it's really difficult to travel with new baby with with the family, and so telehealth opens up that access to care. Um, don't necessarily have to leave the house. You can have you can have a, a psychotherapy and and um, medication evaluations from your home, and so. Uh, so that's really important, I think, to note, um, as well as, you know, there's there's support groups and everything else that are online now. So if travel with baby is difficult for you, um, no fear, life stance is here. Right. Oh, great. And I'm right there. <laughs> just want to, so sorry, just want to make sure I don't, oh, quote, it's 60 hours. It's an IV, Brixen alone, which is old Russo, is an mm-hmm. IV infusion over 60 hours. So. Um, is it, anyway. It's not con- continuous 60, it's, right? They, it's, they, uh, it is continuous over a 60 hour period. You dose so they it. Stay overnight? Doses. Yeah, they do. Okay. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, just wanted clarification. Yes. yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> just wanted to clarify that. And Bri, I love that. No fear life stances here. I think that's a great tagline. It's <laughs> great. I want to thank you both for your time and sharing all your knowledge about this really important topic today. I think our listeners, our viewers are definitely going to gather a lot of knowledge that they maybe weren't clear about. And I think the focus here is really reaching out, get some help. You're not in this alone, the support you need. So once again, thank you both. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you.